thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. I want to talk about covenantal exchange today. It's a, it's a very, very important topic and our service is a bit shorter today, so I'll try and do it short, which means I just talk faster. So I'm sorry, guys. This is the way it is because I can't make it short because I want to say something substantial. Otherwise, I feel I'm not worth my pay. You know, so that's how it goes. So anyway, it's great to, to be here. Anyway, we've been, good, <clears throat> we've been doing a little a series uh, in, the, in the area of 500th anniversary of the Reformation, right? And some of you may not be, have been here the last couple of weeks. I know some of you haven't been because you were in Nelson or somewhere in that region, St. Arnold. And so the thing is, though, what happened with the Reformation, you know, with uh, Martin Luther. But what actually happened was the Reformation really started because of a Bible translation. And we were with Brian Simmons the other day in Israel. And he shared the story about how John Wycliffe really started the Reformation because John Wycliffe uh, wanted to want to translate the Bible which was in Latin and which was tied to a pulpit and I know I was in a church yesterday this massive pulpit and you can tie to that you know you can't get it off you know and and so it was there and so they didn't even know the gospel and so the Catholic Church in those days they started to teach all kinds of stuff and they, everybody believed the priest but it wasn't even in the Bible and so when when the Bible translation came it was actually hundreds of years later with Luther and all the guys John Calvin all the great reformers then of course they read in the Bible that I am saved by grace by faith and that's it and so because the catholic church had you know perjury you know you had to pay for your sins and you got all this and those condolence letters and all this kind of stuff i said no 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 that's why they 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 revolted that's why what did i say oh no condolence letters. sorry I, I, I knew i had it before yesterday i said condolence to myself and i was indulgence letters sorry, you know? it was like a condolence letter too really in some ways because you know you had to die more serious it's like a condolence letter they said, you got to die more because Jesus hadn't died enough. Thank you, Catherine, for the beautiful illustration. You're helping me today. Would you like to come and share with me here because we can do it together in tandem in harmony, you know? One take a thousand to flight, two ten thousands. So why don't we just do this together? Anyway, the whole thing is that the book of... The book, of, um, the book of Romans really was very powerful for Martin Luther. And, uh, and it, a few things, it's a repeat for some of you, Romans 3.21, but I, can never, I, I never get sick of this. But now apart from the law, everybody say apart. That means not part of the law anymore. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Everything in the Old Testament, everything in the law even, everything pointed towards the time, everything pointed towards Jesus. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ alone to all who believe. You gotta have faith, otherwise you don't have his salvation or his righteousness. Not about keeping the law. It's not about rules, regulations. It's not about condolence letters. It's not about indulgence letters. All these letters have nothing to do. It is everything has to do with Jesus Christ. Everything is about Jesus Christ. That's why I've been loving having communion every day. Now be brave. Who has had communion every day this week? Yay! That's more than last week. I invited the whole church to do it. But there's a the few faithful remnants the last of the Mohicans who actually say, I am with you, Gideon. And it will, it will change your life. I was sick this week for two days. I said, I'm not going to be sick. And I was taking communion. I said, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you for the, for, the, for, the, for, the, uh, for the bread. And this is not in heaven. This virus doesn't believe in heaven. I curse this thing in Jesus' name. You got nothing to do with me. And man, how I recovered so quick. It was just amazing. Anyway, Jesus paid it all. The reformers found out that Jesus has paid for it all. Let's say it. Jesus paid for it all. It is Jesus plus 
that's right, plus nothing. It's Jesus plus nothing. Anyway, then we saw last week in the Passion Translation in verse five, the first um, five of chapter four, no one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works, which is self-righteousness, but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account, our account. Isn't that amazing? By the way, when you're sitting here, I've not been to our church before. Uh, this is not a one-man show. I happen to be talking. I've got the microphone. But the thing is, though, we do this together. So if you are excited about some words that Jesus put on, it's not me, it's Jesus. And this is actually Brian translating the Bible. But you know what I mean? If something about the Bible inspires you, please say amen. Go preach it. Uh, hallelujah. God is good. Stand up. This, this don't be a riot. But, but, but like that, you know. I'd rather have a riot than, than quiet. Because otherwise, anyway, you know what I mean? So, that's really good. So, so, the amazing thing is righteousness into our bank account. And as I said last week, and the bank account has been frozen. You can't access this bank account. Whatever you do or don't do, you can't access. When you're in Christ, you can't access this bank account that he's given to you, his righteousness. You are 100% righteous all the time because our righteousness has nothing to do with our righteousness. It's actually very profound, you know. If you really get this, you really get Christianity. Our righteousness has nothing to do with our righteousness. And the reformers saw this. The reformers like John Calvin and Martin Luther, they saw it's all about Jesus. And so we better start preaching Jesus, you know. And I'm so excited about this series because as we're starting more about Jesus, you know, it's so wonderful because my goal is to make Jesus bigger in our lives. I want Jesus to be bigger in our lives. I want Jesus to be bigger in our lives. I want his finished work to be bigger. I want his covenant to become alive in you. I want his love to be just thrilling in your life. I want his peace, his righteousness, his joy, his awesome power. Everything about Jesus, I want to learn more about this. Paul always talked about this stuff, and Ephesians is full of it. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, to share with him an inheritance, all that stuff. I want more of Jesus. Amen? Everything is based. Now we see that we've been celebrating communion um, like the early church have done, the early church actually celebrated communion every day. Did you know that? That's in the Bible. Acts 2. I'm not going to read it now. I already did that three weeks ago. But the thing is, though, that's why I'm inviting you. They did it every day. What makes us think that we don't have to do it every day? Or don't want to do it every day? Or why shouldn't we do it every day? And I'm going to convince you to do it every day. <laughs> I'm so excited that 10 of you did it already every day. It's like so disappointing, but so exciting for them. But the other ones, I want you to see, because honestly, when you start the day with Jesus, it's great. I think you have to always start the day with Jesus. It takes a moment. I go to the breakfast table, and before I do this, I take a little piece of bread, and I take a little piece of, of, of juice or whatever you have, wine, I don't care what you drink, water, and I say, Jesus, I just acknowledge you for a moment. I thank for this bread. This is your body broken for me. This has given me life. This exchange, my life for you, your life for me. This is amazing. And I pray for the day that you just inspire me and bless me, that your life would just, like that, flow through me. And the blood, thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you for the covenant. This is the covenant of your new blood. It, this is, this is the, the covenant that I stand on today. I go into this day standing on your covenant, and your promises are sure, and you're going to be with me every day. And everything I do, every minute of this day, you're with me, Lord. I give you this day. I thank you so much for your life. And you keep going like this, for, just for a few minutes. And then you have your breakfast, 
and then you see your wife. Or you may already see your wife, but you know what I mean? The thing is, it's like when you see your wife in the morning, you say, good morning, darling, don't you? <laughs> Guys, I have, a, I have a time limit. Please work with me today. I've got a time limit. Don't you do that? We say, good morning, darling. How are you today? Yes? Well, Catherine doesn't do that. I do that. <laughs> Catherine says, like I just said to you, behind me, Satan. I mean, she doesn't want to say hi in the morning. It's too early. I don't think before 11 o'clock. So don't talk to me at all, you know. But the, I tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not like Catherine. The Holy Spirit is really amazing. I mean, Catherine's amazing. I'm digging a hole now for myself. So anyway, she's amazing. But in this area, she's not amazing. Anyway, so when the Holy Spirit comes, he's always amazing. And you say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Instead of saying, good Lord, it's morning. You say, good morning, Lord. And you just acknowledge him. And his life, you just ask wonderful. It starts flowing through your body. We can actually finish right now because that's actually what I'm talking about today. So let's, why don't we just have the worship team come up now and we'll just keep uh, wishing. <clears throat> now what I want to say is that everything in the Bible is based on covenant. Everything in the Bible is based on covenant. The covenants and the covenant that we are in, the covenant of Christ, is actually the basis, the mechanism of how his kingdom, his life comes into our life. It is the mechanism. It's how the kingdom comes into our lives. Where as we pray, when we pray, his kingdom come, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. His kingdom comes because of covenant. That is the rightful place that he's given to us. And it's actually a covenantal exchange. Now, covenantal exchange, the covenant by definition is actually a relationship exchange. A covenant, I'll say it again, is a relationship exchange. I give you what I am. I give you my desires. I give you who I am. And you give me who you are and what you have for me. The best example is marriage. Of course, it was a great privilege to yesterday to marry Rachel and Tim. And that's what they did. They, they gave each other, it was a covenant. And this covenant is I give everything I have to you 100%. You give everything to me, 100%. It is not 50-50. It's not like I'm going to have, you know, 50% me and 50% this, and then we'll just keep some behind. That's not a covenant. A covenant is you give each other 100% of your life. And that's a true marriage is like this. You become one, you give to each other. Now, this kind of covenant relationship God has called humanity into. It's a covenantal exchange that he calls our lives into his life, and he calls his life into our lives. And it's a complete giving of our lives to him. And it's a complete giving of his life to us too. Now, it's not like equal in marriage. I mean, you're man, female, but the thing is, though, you know what I mean? It's like equal, you're two human beings. We're talking about, I'm giving my life as a human to him. He gives his life as God to me. And there is a 100% exchange. Now, we've got no time to think about it too long, but to think about it. It's amazing. It is simply amazing. It's a <clears throat> relationship exchange. Now, the Bible has seven confidence, I'm <coughs> sorry, seven covenants. Next week, I'll talk a bit more about it. It's very exciting next week, by the way. Um, but seven covenants and three main ones, which represents three characters. One is Abraham, one is Moses, one is Jesus. Abraham is grace. Uh, the Sinai, which is uh, Moses, is law-based. 
And of course, the last one, which is actually a renewal really of, of Abraham, is again grace-based in Jesus Christ. Now, what I want to do this for a few minutes is I want to show you how covenant, covenant, man, I'm talking with my, I just hit myself really hard with a stick on my lip. <laughs> and I got these little balls here, like, I'm, I'm like, I feel like I'm not handicapped at the moment. So I'm, not, I'm talking and it doesn't come out very right. Maybe I have some, no, I won't do that yet, because some of you couldn't cope with that. It's not wine, by the way. We're talking about establishment of covenant. Very important, guys. This is the basis of our faith, the basis of our lives. Establishment, formation of covenant. Okay, here we go. The formation of covenant has five elements. And the five elements is one, there's a covenant call. Two, there's a covenant cut, like cutting. Three, there's a covenant sign. Four, there's a covenant contract or rules or or, um, establishment of that. And five is a uh, establishment formation is a covenant gift. It's really, really beautiful. We start with Abraham straight away now in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. And the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham actually at that stage, uh, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. And I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse you, curse you, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. This is a covenant. This is a covenant of relationship. He is, he is saying to Abraham, because Abraham, of course, the humanity after the fall in Eden, Humanity is under a curse. And he's saying, listen, I'm going to change this, Abraham, and I'm going to start with you. Abraham didn't even know God. He says, who are you? And then he starts to talk to him about who he is and stuff like that. You know? But the thing is, he didn't even know God. And he just chooses Abraham. He says, I want to have a covenant with you. And what I'm going to do with you is that the earth is in a curse, but what I'm going to do to you, I'm going to reverse the curse. I'm actually going to bless you. No strings attached. I'm just going to bless you. And, and Abe says, hey, man, do it, Lord. Bless me. He says, not only that, I'm going to bless you, I'm actually going to, I'm going to bless through you. I want you to be a channel of blessing to the world. Because through the world, through Abraham, I'm going to bless the whole world and everything will change. You know, even Jesus, of course, is Abraham's seed. Everything will change through Jesus Christ. His whole lineage, he sees it all. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to start with you. Abe, come on, will you do this with me? He says, great, man, bless me. And so he says, you will be blessed. And he was blessed beyond. It's incredible how, 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 how blessed Abraham was in his life. And he says, yes, Lord, do it. And this wonderful relationship starts with him. See, when you start, when you come into a relationship like this, even even God with Abraham, it was an exchange of curse for blessing. It was like judgment for freedom and righteousness. It was the whole thing of lack for plenty, poverty for wealth, sickness for health. Hey, the realities of heaven are coming down. Where have I read this before? Ah, Isaiah 61. Ah, Luke 4. Remember? Jesus talked about this. This is my call. Jesus says, this is my job description. Very, very, in Luke, it's a very short one. Isaiah is much better, but I don't have time for that today. A powerful declaration of exchange. The Passion Translation here in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and He has anointed me to be hope or good news for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, to preach to prisoners. You are free. I've come to share the message of Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance of favor has begun. Isn't it amazing? Come on, this is so amazing. And it started right there with Abraham. What does Jubilee mean? Not as a great meal we had a few weeks ago. Jubilee means what? Freedom, a cancellation of debt. That's because what Jesus is. He's our eternal Jubilee. 
And so here already he says, hey man, I'm going to do this for you, a time of jubilee. I'm going to be a time of jubilee. And this was the call of Jesus. And it's the call on our lives too. And it's a key for the transformation of the world. It is right here in this covenant call. Right here. That's how heaven comes to earth. Now the second thing is, one is the cause, two is the cutting. Now this is the one of the most important part, and it's a little bit gooey somewhere. So just stay with me, everybody adults here. And when I come to a place, maybe the kids can just put your ear, ear plugs in. Because um, I have, this is for adults only in a minute. Not really. This is gory. This is blood. Because we are not used to blood. But everything in the kingdom is blood. Everything is established by blood. The life is in the blood. Everything is in the blood. So the second formation of the blood covenant, uh, of the covenant, is actually a blood covenant. That's how you enter into a covenant. And the essence is in the blood. They say, why not just sign a contract? No. It is all established in blood. Why? Because there has to be something called the shedding and the mixing of blood. The shedding and the mixing of blood. Genesis 15, 9, 11, the first covenant. It's the only one I do today in, in this sense and more next week. But God says, so the Lord said to Abraham, bring me a heifer and a goat and a ram and each three years old along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham, sorry, Abram, Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged um, the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of the prey came down to the carcasses, and, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Verse 17, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, ooh, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared. Who do you think that might be? And passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made covenant with Abraham. Abraham had to make a blood, blood path. And when the blood path has been uh, put down there, the pieces of the animals was all blood. Then the glory of the Lord, says, came. And the glory of the Lord and God as a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch. Who do you think they are? Who's the smoking fire? Who, somebody, some translation said the cloud. Who's the cloud? Who's in the cloud? God the Father. Who's the fire? It's Jesus. Right there, the God the Father and Jesus walked through this thing. What was Abraham doing? He was sleeping. <laughs> now, there's more to that. I'll talk about it next week. It's actually really, really powerful. But he was sleeping. It has actually nothing to do with Abraham. It was all done before. I'll give you a little thing away. When I did my final paper in my master's for theology, I did not know that the covenants had nothing to do with me. I, for some reason, and I don't, can you believe it's 20 years of study, I still did not know really well that the covenants were made between God the Father and Christ the Son, all of them, except for the Sinai one, which was not even for us anyway, and, and that it had nothing to do with me. When I knew it had nothing to do with me, I became a very, very happy boy. I remember screaming to Catherine for weeks. I said, it is actually so much better than I thought it was. And I was so incredibly happy. But it started here, right here, with Abraham, because there was also a grace covenant, nothing to do with him. Anyway, I'm not giving too much away. God the Father and Jesus there cut, Abraham, cut covenant with Abraham. There's no covenant without shedding the blood. And basically, as God was saying, 
going through that, he was basically saying, if I betray this covenant, may I be destroyed as these animals were destroyed. He also would say, if it takes the shedding of my blood to fulfill this covenant, then I will shed my blood, which of course he did later on through Jesus Christ. Now, the key thing is here, you have to understand that everything in the covenants, everything in the gospel, everything has to do with God's economy is a blood economy. Everything is established by blood. Now, what they did right here with the carcasses was actually something, Abraham didn't say like, man, that sounds really bad and I'm not going to do this. He did it. Why? Because in those days, kings would do this. When they would have covenants, two nations would come together and they would do the same thing. They would have these carcasses, they'll make a blood path and together the kings will walk hand in hand, probably not, but hand in hand through this thing and they say if if we break this covenant this will happen to you or to me we will die and that was a covenant so Abraham knew about it. it was very normal and other things they would do some people would cut their hand or their wrist or whatever a little incision not a massive thing a little incision and they would together they would mix blood my blood your blood together because together we're mixing the blood Together, we make covenants. Some would actually put it into their own blood, into a cup. They would mix it in the cup and they would drink the blood. It's a bit gory. A bit gory. They would actually think, you know, it's so foreign to us in our life. We, we in the Western world have no clue about it. But when we know, and particularly Hebrews knows about it. Why? Because Hebrews was written to the Jews. To, they, they knew about it. That's what God talks about, blood covenant, and I'll, I'll talk about it next week. It's so powerful. It is so basic, but it's so profound in this whole way. Because the Bible says that the life is in the blood. And when they do this stuff together, they actually share life together. They share life together. It's a mixing of it. In some ways, it's like the hongi in the Maori tradition. But that's sharing breath. And of course, we have the breath of God into our lives. There's a beautiful other symbolism in some ways, of course, beautiful too. But really, everything through God is in the the blood is the sharing of blood now marriage marriage next week guys marriage yesterday Rachel what happens marriage what happens to a virgin it's a bit gory I know the hymen 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 the hymen when it's a first time penetration what happens blood it's the mixing of blood the two together covenants that's how God made it isn't that beautiful guys if you're still a virgin young people stay a virgin it's so beautiful I know some people have been abused and don't feel bad about today this is a pastoral thing I know people who've had lost their virginity like this thing uh, through horse riding so it's not it make you feel bad I just wanted to show you how God made this so beautiful God will restore your virginity if something happened to you, you were abused or you had some stupid idea of having sex before marriage or some kind of nonsense like that. He will restore this to you in a sense. You know what I mean? Actually, some I've heard stories that somehow God changed it again and it was still bloody. It's amazing. But the thing is that what I'm trying to say to you guys is it is the mixing of blood. It is profound. It is covenant. It is life. And this life together, you know what would happen if you don't have any uh, uh, um, uh, birth control? What would happen often on the first night? They would have a baby in nine months. Because their sharing of life together, covenant, made another life. It is so beautiful how God makes covenant. That's how he has covenant with us. The blood covenant is so profound in this way. Is that all right? I'll, I'll, I'll go even deeper. 
Catherine, it's not bad, darling. These are, these are adult people. This is so profound, guys, because it, 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 it touches so many different things. Like Jesus, you think, well, Jesus gave his blood. You know when Jesus gave his blood? You know that the blood of, because here in this particular one, Abraham, it was done for them with his animals, right? There was no bloodshed from the father or for the son of anybody, right? Nobody, of course, can't. But they will go through it. But you know what happened when Jesus died on the cross? He had the blood of God, because he was God. And he had the blood of Abraham. He's the son of Abraham. So even on the cross when he died for us and he shed his blood, there was the mixing of the blood. That's awesome! <laughs> Don't look at me like you say, look, this is awesome. I know it may be new for some of you. It is awesome because everything we stand on has to do with this. And we'll see in Hebrews that God actually swears by himself. There's no one else to swear to. And he swears by himself that this covenant will never be broken. It's an unshakable, unbreakable covenant. And that's where you stand on. And that's why when you have communion every day, and every time we have it in church, we stand on this covenant which is signed by blood, which is the only way that he did it because God works by blood covenant. All the covenants we'll see is a blood covenant. It is absolutely profound. 1 Corinthians 10, it is, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ, and is not the bread that we break, a participation in the body of Christ, because there's one loaf. We, who are many, are one body, for we share in one loaf. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful how this happens in our lives? Lives. oneness in marriage oneness as a body oneness with Christ oneness that's why after the, that's why the Pentecost came 50 days after he gave his blood because now we're free there's no you know no more sin so now the Holy Spirit can come inside and he becomes one spirit with her everything is related to the wonderful exchange that we celebrate here today and that's why when we have communion we can give everything from earth to him. We can give him our pain, our sorrows, our sickness, our lack, our everything. Lord, that I give you, me, that, that, that to you. And then God says, okay, I give everything I have to you. Now, the good thing about him is not even equal partners. He is God, I am not. Right? He's eternal and powerful, all-powerful. I'm just a human being. So all my weaknesses I give to him. And he says, okay, I give 100% to you. So he gives all his stuff to me and to you. That's what this represents. It's covenant that we stand on. Our lives are based on covenant. And that's why it is so powerful in our lives. That's why last week we had half the church come forward, probably more than half the church last week, to claim your inheritance. I say, come forward. And what are you claiming? What are you claiming of your inheritance? What have you not got that does not align with what God has promised you or what is in heaven? What is not aligning? Then you come forward last week anyway. And we said, I'm, I'm claiming for this to happen in my life. It's very, very powerful in our lives. I'm almost done. I'm getting thirsty. This is the start of the first ending. <laughs> Covenant sign. No, I'll do it really quickly, guys. I, I will promise. No, I promise. So what is then a sign? The third thing is sign. What is a covenant sign? What was his sign? Abraham. Abraham. And after Abraham had to cut the thing, you know, it became Abraham. Then they actually hit the, the, the circumcision. Thank you very much. What's the Christian? So for our new covenant, what's, what's, what's our sign? 
baptism, amazing. You guys are just really flying at the moment. You are just amazing. Colossians 2, 11 to 12, what it says, In him you were also circumcised in the putting off the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by human hands, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Isn't it wonderful? In baptism, we get united. Of course, we get already in faith, we get united. But baptism is a sign that not only a little piece of your pimulture, um, the Dutch guys would know that, uh, from your, how is a nice word for that? Your private, men, private parts, your penis, that's right. That thing. So the, when the front gets cut off, it's a little piece like that. And that's, the, that's old covenant, the sign of it. New covenant is the whole thing goes. Not the whole, not the whole thing goes. <laughs> yeah. How many churches believes that the whole thing has to go? They all line up and they got a big knife. That's really sad, actually. Johnny, we've got to cut this out of the tape. Um, I mean the whole body goes, not the whole thing. The whole body goes down into baptism, and instead of a little piece of flesh, you have a whole piece, your whole flesh. And, and the wonderful thing is your whole sinful nature gets taken out. Come on. And you get something new. You get a new spirit. You're born again. You, get, you become a new creation. I mean, what a wonderful thing that is. That's the new covenant. You're too quiet in this place today. Come on. Okay, the fifth part. Oh, no, it's almost done. Almost done. Almost done. So the fourth one is words. Uh, words, particularly in the, uh, the covenant that we're not part of anyway, which I'll show you next week. But the thing is, though, uh, the Sinai covenant, of course, they had the, the law, which was given to the Jews, not given to you. You're not invited to that, never, ever. You will never, ever be invited to that. The thing is, there was a covenant, actually all the covenants we would use anyway, nothing to do with you anyway. Just at the end, we kind of get to play and you get grafted in. You're lucky that you got in. Anyway, so the whole thing is that we're in this like this. And, and so the sign, you know what I'm saying? The words are, are the Torah, are the signs, the life-giving for the people, the Jews. They don't see it as the law like this, it's the Torah. They see it life-giving life for them. You ask a Jew, they love the Torah. Okay. And I'll prove next week what was wrong with the Torah and what was wrong with the law. That's why God says it can't happen this way. But the Torah in itself is perfect. The law is absolutely perfect. Right? But what happens in the New Testament, we have the book of the particular New Testament, particularly Ephesians, talks about the words of the new covenant. It's after Jesus dies, not before. The Gospels are not new covenant. Some people think that, you know. It's not. Jesus was the bridge. He was already new covenant himself, but disciples were not new covenant. They're following Christ, but they're not born again. They're not, they're not new covenant. So you see that Jesus, even when he walks on the earth, before he goes to the cross, he will give grace to the sinners, to the Gentiles, and he'll stay the law to the Pharisees, but he has to, because that's the contract that they have. Only after Jesus dies, then the new contract starts. So that's why mainly Ephesians, Romans, as for Christians, in that sense. Contract-wise. But I'll talk about it more. I'm just giving you a little thing. Right? So, words of the new covenant like that. The fifth one, last one, I'm done. So the worship team can come up. The last one, you can. I mean, you can come up. I'm still talking, but you can come up and get ready, and then we can flow. The fifth one is a gift. In the wedding, you always have a gift. What is the gift? What is the most precious gift? What did Abraham have to give as a covenant gift? What did he have to give to God? His son, Isaac. That's the most precious gift. He said, the whole world will be blessed through your son, and you've got to kill him. He didn't understand. 
but he was willing to do it. And then God stops him, remember, gives a ram, all this kind of stuff. Of course, the New Testament, beautiful picture about how Christ, of course, in the end, uh, becomes the ram, becomes um, blood for us and, and gives his life to us. The most precious thing that God could give us was Jesus Christ, and he gives his son to us. You can start playing too. Actually, we still have communion too, so we just got to stand there for a while. I forgot, forgot about that. <laughs> this is marriage, marriage thing between us. We're just working on things together. And so what happens is God's gift is that, but not only Christ, which we're going to celebrate right now, God's gift to us, the sign of the covenant, Jesus Christ. But God does something else. He doesn't even give, only give one-third of himself. He gives two-thirds of himself. Because after that, he gives the wonderful Holy Spirit. If you only had given Christ, then it's wonderful. Then 2,000 years ago, we had this wonderful meal we can celebrate, and we had this stuff, and we would be struggling along. Know what he does. He gives the other, he gives the Spirit of Christ. He gives us the Holy Spirit to always be with us, to be in us, to be one with us. We're one spirit with him. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? The beautiful gift that God gives to us. In a marriage, you give a ring. A ring is something really special. You give each other a ring. You're going to give each other a ring next week. It's very special, precious, expensive. Better be, not a warehouse one. It's precious. A warehouse got some nice stuff, by the way. You know, like this, you know. It was a covenant gift of the Holy Spirit to each other. And the gift of the Holy Spirit proves the covenant. The Holy Spirit is the broker of your covenant. Jesus paid for it, but the Holy Spirit will broker it for you. That's why when you wake up in the morning, we stand on Christ to finish work, but it's the Holy Spirit who is with you. And he will lead you and guide you. He's the power in you. He's the comforter in you. We're not still not playing. Like, nice, nice. He's the comforter. It is, it, don't you feel it's nice when you have music going? See, the Godhead always has music. Do you know that? never stops in heaven just so you know it keeps on going so the thing is though he's the comfort in you he's love he's perfect love in you he's perfect perfect peace in you he's everything you've ever wanted he is in you and he will strengthen you and that's how heaven comes to earth so today right now when we take communion we take his body that was broken for us violently broken for us you watch the passion movie violently shattered for us you can recognize him and he did this for you and for me. His body was broken for you and for me. His life was taken from him. He was God incarnate. But the deal is that he gave his life. Everything that he has came through Christ's sacrifice, through this covenant of the breaking and the lashing and the blood, of course, which is kind of part of this. It comes to you. That's why Christ says, I am the bread of life. Through covenant, the mixing, life. He gives you life. Everything is life. When you take communion, it's life. Life comes to you. We thank you, Lord, for life. And the cup is the cup of the new covenant in his blood. We will never get tired. That's why the early church were always celebrating this every day. They couldn't joyfully, it says. You go to Acts 2. Joyfully every day. They could not believe their luck. They could not believe how God would do this for them and what a joy He had given them. Isn't it amazing? The Holy Spirit would be poured out 
joy, peace, unending. We're going to celebrate this, you know. In a couple of weeks, joy to the world. Of course it's joy to the world. The best thing ever. And so we can celebrate this today together as a community. And so let's celebrate it right now. I'll pray before. Father, thank you for giving your son to us, Lord. What a brilliant plan. But what a sacrifice, Lord, that you would have to give your own son and see him cruelly, Lord. You were the son of glory. You were the son of glory. You were the, Jesus, you were the Alpha, the Omega, the mighty one, the beautiful one. And for you in this body to be cruelly nailed to a cross and be smashed and bashed and hurt. Lord, what a glory. What a glory is in that pain. And Lord, thank you that we through your life and through your death, Lord, can receive your life. And we celebrate this today, Lord. We take the bread and we take the cup and we proclaim your death. We proclaim your death because when you died, the covenant was signed in your blood. And we stand on this today and pray for every one of us here, Lord, what we have to claim for our own lives here in our own situations, in our home, in our business, in our health, in our bodies, whatever it is, Father, that today, Lord, we would claim what you have paid for everything you paid for that we can walk in our inheritance with fullness of life the life lord that you have given to us jesus so we celebrate this today we celebrate this today you are good lord you are good lord in jesus name and we all said amen